Welcome to the Bruise Less Traveled podcast, where we explore a different city each month with an undiscovered craft beer scene. This month is Cincinnati. On today's episode, we share a beer with Justin Hemminger, the deputy director for the Ohio Craft Brewers Association. He gave wonderful insight on what he and his team do to help advocate for the Ohio breweries. He wasn't allowed to say his favorite Cincinnati brewery, but that's okay. I honestly couldn't decide either. Tune in to hear more from Justin as well as thoughts on the beers we tasted from Mad Tree. Don't forget, you can get these beers delivered to your door when you join our beer club at Bruvana.com. Now let's check out today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Bruise Less Traveled Beer Club. I'm your host, Molly Lamb. I am so excited to be here for the first ever Bruise Less Traveled Beer Club get together. I'm just going to tell you guys a little bit about myself and how I came to land my dream job. I've actually been a skincare esthetician for the past 10 years and running a business in Brooklyn, New York. Like most of us during the pandemic, I was out of work for about half a year. I was drinking a lot. (laughs) I've always loved craft beer. And in the past year, I actually started to study craft beer, taking classes online at San Diego State and Cornell University. I also did a super fun volunteer program working in production at Rocky Mountain Brewery in Colorado Springs. And now I get to spend time with fellow craft beer lovers and visit cities firsthand to explore their craft beer scene and share it with all of you. My dad still has no idea what I do. He literally thinks I'm a door-to-door beer salesman. It's hilarious. (laughs) I'm also not alone today. I am here with my lovely co-host and one of my favorite drinking buddies, Julie, who will be here with me for the whole month of June. Then I'm going to trade her in for a different co-host like I do every Every month because basically I get sick of everyone after about a month. No offense, Julie. So each month, not only do you guys get a new city to explore with me, but you also get a new co-host and you can basically watch them like make fun of me or whatever. Julie, do you want to say a quick hello to our club members? Uh, absolutely. Hi, everybody. My name is Julie Walker. Um, I have been really into craft beer for a long time. I've actually been a home brewer myself for about 11 years now. Uh, it's, it's a hobby that I love doing. I am a certified beer server through the Cicerone program, which is kind of like a wine sommelier, but on the beer side, which is kind of cooler. Um, so I have a lot of fun doing that. I love learning about beer and teaching about beer. And I'm so excited to be here with Molly, um, kind of hanging out in our virtual tap room. We're going to have a lot of fun with you guys. Absolutely. Today, we're exploring the craft beer scene in Cincinnati, if you haven't figured that out already. Me and Julie had the pleasure of visiting Cincinnati to explore firsthand all of its craft beer beauty. I cannot wait to tell you all a little bit more about this awesome city. I promise we're going to open a beer in just a second. We also have a wonderful guest that'll be joining us a little bit later. Justin Hemminger, the deputy director of the Ohio Craft Brewers Association. He'll be coming on in a few minutes. So we'll introduce him a little bit later. We are going to be drinking the Psychopathy and Happy Amber from Mad Tree Brewing today. I hope you all drink along with us as we hang out. All right, Julie, are you ready to crack open a beer? Absolutely. 
So let's start with the happy Amber. I am going to do what I like to call the perfect pour. This is going to help you get the most character out of your beer. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to use my beautiful Bruvana glass and I'm going to tilt it to about 45 degrees. I'm going to aim the beer for the middle of the glass. As it gets about halfway full, I'm going to straighten that glass and that's going to give you the most nucleation which is a fancy word for head, which is a fancy word for foam. So let's go ahead and pour our beers. Hear that beautiful can opening sound and try this happy amber. It looks so beautiful, doesn't it? It does. But yeah, we drink with our eyes first. This is just as the name suggests, a beautiful amber color. Absolutely gorgeous. I'm going to go ahead and give it a sip. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for thanks for joining the Bruce Less Traveled Beer Club. Yeah, this color is definitely coming from the malt. I think they use a nice crystal malt in here. A little bit more about this beer. The Happy Amber is clocking in at 6% ABV. That's the alcohol by volume and 30 IBUs. That's the International Bitterness Unit. There is, as you can see, just this lovely caramel color. There's also caramel kind of like biscuit malt flavors. What are you tasting, Julie? Um, so what I really like about amber ales in general is how balanced they are. So you get like, especially on the nose. And then when you first taste it, um, that sweetness, and then at the end, after you swallow the finish is nice and bitter. So it really balances it out. So it's not cloying. I really like that about this. And I love that really hoppy kind of bitter finish to it. It's probably my favorite part. Absolutely. I totally agree. It's a really like approachable beer. The balance here, it's very approachable, not too bitter. They actually dry hopped this guy a little bit. So there's some late edition American hops in here. And actually this beer, the Happy Amber from Mad Tree, it was a 2018 GABF gold medal winner. So you guys, we're kicking off with a bang here. We don't play around. So this is a great beer, an award-winning beer, and it's it's living up to that award. I think this is delicious. I was lucky enough to try this one when I was in Cincinnati and I really loved it. It almost has like a mild, like the finish is a little molasses kind of honey, like this just sort of slight sweetness to it. Yeah. Has anyone been to Cincinnati? This was my first time going. I was blown away by the city. It was so cool. Really fun. Julie and I, we had great weather when we were there, just like really friendly people and honestly, just delicious beers. I mean, we really were just kind of blown away. And if you've been to Cincinnati and you made it to Mad Tree, obviously let us know a little bit about that. Let me tell you guys a little bit more about Mad Tree Brewery. So when Mad Tree started eight years ago, they were really driven to craft great beer, but more importantly, to build something bigger than just high quality beer that they were producing. Since the beginning, they have cared deeply about creating meaningful connections with their communities. They embrace their name Mad Tree and work to celebrate and protect nature while reducing their impact to the environment. They're proud members of the 1% for the planet with a commitment to donate 1% of their sales to nonprofits focused on environmental sustainability. The craftspeople at Mad Tree, they wake up every day to connect with people, to nature, and each other. They actually planted 2,000 trees last year. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I'm coming uh, from a nonprofit background myself and moved into craft beer. So anytime a brewery is doing something really amazing in their communities, doing things to help local nonprofits, they're always a brewery that I want to be going to. So that's really exciting to hear. And they also have a lot of really fun community events too, right? So I saw on their Instagram, um, they did kind of a local tie-dyeing event where people could bring in shirts and bandanas and tie-dye those. I know they do weddings. We saw their wedding venue. Absolutely. I know we loved when we were there just visiting the brewery. We got to take a tour around the brewery and they have, yeah, they just have like these beautiful plants. They also, uh, Cincinnati in general, Molly had this really cool like brewing heritage, right? It sure does. And here's a few facts about Cincinnati just to entice you guys to visit this wonderful city. Cincinnati was one of the leading beer producing cities before prohibition. And it has a rich brewing heritage dating back over 200 years thanks to the influx of German immigrants bringing lager styles to add to the porters and ales offered previously by the British and French. There's a wonderful brewing heritage trail that's built throughout the city where you can learn more about this history. You can actually take tours of the lagering tunnels that are literally built underground in Cincinnati. So you can take tours of these tunnels. Julie and I did not get to do it, but I'm dying to go back and take a look at that piece of history that's built right into the city of Cincinnati. And now today, Cincinnati actually has over 60 breweries. And now we're ready to dive a little deeper into Cincinnati and its craft beer scene as we interview our guest, Justin Hemminger, the deputy director of the Ohio Craft Brewers Association. Justin, welcome. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great, actually. I cracked open a happy amber with with y'all, and uh, yeah, this is just a fantastic beer. I, I am a I am a big fan of this one. Like you said, it's a it's an award winner. Uh, it actually won the gold medal at GABF. Uh, they entered it uh, not as a as an amber ale, but they entered it as an ESB uh, or an extra special bitter, and that's a style that I think a lot of people sleep on or don't really give. A lot of respect to. I mean, you can't really sell something that has the word bitter in the title. Like people, people have a visceral reaction yeah. uh, to to that word. But I mean, this is just a fantastic beer. Uh, you know, it's it's so smooth drinking. It's just a classic, classic style, classic English pub ale. Uh, and it's and it's the kind of beer. I mean, even at six percent, you can. I mean, you can knock back a couple of these and. and be doing and be doing just fine and and be able to talk eloquently about Cincinnati's brewing history. <laughs> Absolutely. That's such great feedback. And that's interesting that they entered it as an ESB because I'm pretty sure I thought ESBs had to have like a specific malt that they actually kind of stew a little bit to kind of get that like sweet flavor from it. But that's interesting. And you're totally right, Justin. I think the word bitter in there, the extra special bitter, I think it does kind of freak people out like on a marketing level, like they think it's going to be super bitter, but it's actually, as we were saying earlier, it's such a well-balanced, mm-hmm. such an approachable beer. So that's great feedback on that. And I want you to kind of tell everyone just like a little bit about yourself, Justin, where are you originally from? Where do you currently live? And how did you get into craft beer? I grew up in Northern Ohio, uh, just, uh, just south of Sandusky, Ohio, home of Cedar Point, America's roller coast. Uh, if you, if, if anybody's from Cincinnati, uh, you know, that there's a, a, 
a dueling amusement park in Cincinnati uh, that is actually now owned by the same company as that owns Cedar Point. Uh, but we always, growing up in Ohio, uh, it's like, which is better? Oh, Kings Island's better. No, Cedar Point's better. <laughs> uh, eventually, you grow out of that and you realize that they're both great. And but yeah, I grew up there. I went to I went to school in uh, in Toledo, and then uh, I went to college in uh, in Bowling Green, just south of Toledo, uh, and moved to Columbus just under twenty years ago. I actually got into craft beer in well, the first quote unquote, I'm doing finger quotes. You can't see me. <laughs> I guess the first quote unquote craft beer I had was actually, uh, I went to Germany uh, in high school as part of a exchange program. And I got to taste, you know, the, the classic German brewed beers, you know, made by the Reinheitsgebot and, you know, all, all those all those breweries that have been, you know, operating since the 1500s. Uh, and I, I fell in love with beer at 17 and then came back to America where I was punished and not able to drink any of it for another four <laughs> years legally. But uh, yeah, I, I got into it that way. And just, you know, I never, I never really looked back. Like once I knew that, once I knew that there was something that great out there, that beer could be something so much more than what, uh, you know, what we kind of expected of it in America. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I couldn't get enough. Absolutely. I, that's so great. I love, I always love kind of hearing how everyone got involved in craft beer. Cause it's just, I think it's something all of us involved in this community really love. And so Justin, I'm kind of curious for you to tell everyone what's the main role of the Ohio craft brewers association and what is your role specifically within the company? Um, I'm the deputy director of the Ohio Craft Brewers Association. Our uh, our mission is to promote, protect, diversify, and unify the Ohio craft brewing industry. So basically, we are an advocate and a unified voice for Ohio's craft breweries. In uh, the biggest part of what we do is making sure that our breweries have uh, a positive uh, and fruitful environment. From a, from a legal and regulatory standpoint, to be able to make beer uh, in, in the state of Ohio. So, you know, we do, uh, we do a lot of uh, outreach with our, uh, our state legislators, like our state senators, state representatives, uh, and we also have a, a working relationship with the regulatory bodies that uh, oversee brewing in the state of Ohio. Uh, brewing is an incredibly, uh, incredibly highly regulated industry uh, from you know the federal level to the state level, uh, you know even some, you know even you have lo- local municipalities uh, getting into the regulation of breweries uh, in some areas, uh, depending on you know what what the what exactly they're interested in, whether it's uh, you know water consumption, uh, uh, wastewater issues, regional taxes. Uh, things like that. And I know this is probably a little bit boring talking about like all the behind the scenes no. stuff uh, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily end up in the glass, but it's all really important to have an advocate helping when we have 372 breweries in the state of Ohio right now. Uh, that's up from about 50 uh, seven years ago. So the, I mean, the growth uh, in the number of breweries has just been exponential over the past decade. And, you know, and we really don't see any signs of it slowing down. So, you know, these breweries, they're all, they're all small businesses. You know, none of them are, I think all of our breweries combined are making uh, the amount of beer that one of these macros makes in a month. Uh, you know, we're, you know, we're really, 
you know, we really need to have strong advocates. And, you know, that's what the Ohio Craft Brewers Association does. We make sure that our breweries have a fair shake when it comes to uh, the, the legal and regulatory environment. That is so important what you said to have an advocate, you know, for these breweries, they are small businesses to have someone in their corner advocating for them, making sure regulations are okay and things are in place is so important. As I mentioned earlier, I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a former small business owner and I ran a business in New York for, you know, about eight years and you can kind of feel a little alone. No one really protects you. And I think it's great what you guys are doing. You're giving a voice and advocacy for these breweries. So I think that's really amazing. And I think your role is is super important. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Let's take a beer break. Our guest Justin mentioned Rhein Heitzgebot. Now, what is Rhein Heitzgebot? Well, it's a 500-year-old German purity law stating that the only ingredients that could be used in the production of beer were water, barley, and hops. What's missing here? That's right, yeast. They didn't know at the time that you actually needed yeast to make beer. Rhein Heitzgebot had three goals, to protect drinkers from high prices, to ban the use of wheat in beer so that more bread could be made, and to stop brewers from adding toxic ingredients to beer. Rhein Heitzgebot is still used to this day in Germany. And in fact, all the beers made for Oktoberfest in Munich must still adhere to these rules. Has Rhein Heitzgebot reached its sell-by date? All right, who's ready for another beer? I definitely am. Julie and Justin, do you guys want to crack open the psychopathy with me and everyone at home? I hope you are too. I mean, Cincinnati, I think just because the brewing history is so rich. I mean, like I was mentioning, those loggering tunnels built underneath the city. I mean, it, it was powerful. Me and Julie walked a little bit of the Brewing Heritage Trail. They that have- was probably my favorite thing that we did was walking that Heritage Trail. It was so cool. It really was. And they have photos of the people, you know, back in, you know, like the early 1900s that were working there and you can see it. And so I think that's one reason why Cincinnati made just such a great city to to launch the Brews Less Traveled Beer Club with. Yeah, we got a lot, a lot of fun cities coming up. So stay tuned. I'm switching over to my Callen glass right now. Ooh, and I have my Teku glass. Look at we're getting all fancy. We are. I'm a I'm a beer glass nerd. I'm excited for this one too, because this, uh, like the West coast style IPA Molly is probably one of my favorites. Oh, this is all you, this is, this is a jewel. I I love, I love this style of beer too. This looks beautiful. Cheers guys. Right on. Yeah. Drinking with our eyes first. This beauty is a little bit lighter in color than the Amber ale. Really beautiful kind of golden, golden color. This one's clocking in at 6.9% ABV and 60 IBUs. So it's got double the IBUs of the, of the Amber Ale. That's the International Bitterness Unit. And that's a little different from the perceived bitterness. So don't be scared of a high IBU. It doesn't necessarily mean your palate is going to detect it as super bitter. It's really just the amount, like if they add more hops in there, that's going to add bitterness to the beer, but likely the brewer is going to balance that out with more malt, which is where you're going to get your sweetness. So there's going to be a higher IBU, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to taste more bitter, but this one does have like a nice clean kind of like 
like a stringent, bitter mouthfeel to it. Justin, what are you thinking of this one? This was one of the first Matry beers that I ever had. I would have encountered this uh, probably for the first time uh, about 2015. And I, I remember being struck by, at the time at least, what it, uh, it was more aggressively hoppy than I uh, than I was used to drinking. Yeah. Um, I've kind of always skewed more toward uh, lager styles and uh, and like brown ales, amber ales, uh, even you know, even some of the darker like you know, porter stouts and whatnot. And I never was really a huge fan of hoppy beers. Uh, and then you know uh, a rep brought this into me, and I was just kind of blown away by how uh, by how aggressively hopped it was, but yet still retained that balance. Like, it's not uh, it didn't have the you know the over the top bitterness that I feel like a lot of IPAs did in the early 2010s uh, when it seemed to be a race to see who could, who could put the biggest IBU number on their can. 1000 uh, IBU. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. It almost kind of became like a pissing contest. It was like, <laughs> does your beer taste good guys? Yeah, no, Justin, I totally agree with you. Um, this beer to me, it's, it's really bright with a bit of citrus it's got a smooth bitterness mm-hmm. and kind of a nice multi backbone there. It's more medium bodied and kind of slightly sweet. So, I mean, Madry, I think just makes beautiful beers and this one is really no exception. I get like just a touch of, just a touch of green melon. Nice. Yeah. In addition to the, to the pretty prominent citrus. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a really nice beer. Yeah. Definitely knock it out of the park with this one talking about Madtree and like really knocking it out of the park with their beers and really amazing beers. You had mentioned, Justin, that um, the breweries in Cincinnati have actually won a lot of uh, recognition and a lot of awards. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. uh, Over the last five years, uh, nine Cincinnati breweries have won a total of 27 medals at uh, three of the country's most prestigious beer competitions, uh, the Great American Beer Festival, uh, the World Beer Cup, and the uh, Festival of Barrel-Aged Beers. Madry uh, won that gold for uh, for Happy Amber. Uh, they've actually also, uh, the the FOBAB, the Festival of Barrel-Aged Beers, they've actually consistently placed beers in that program. And I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily give Madtree's uh, barrel-aging and cellar program the due that it deserves. Uh, they've, they've won three silver medals at, at, uh, at FOBAB, uh, in the last four years or four or five years, uh, and just fantastic stuff. I mean, it kind of, and it, it gets away from, you know, your, your kind of standard, you know, bourbon barrel aged, uh, Russian Imperials and whatnot. Uh, they, they've made, uh, they made a gin barrel aged Kolsch that was just fantastic. That was one of their medal winners it's called June J O N just a, just an unbelievable beer. Uh, it's just so so nuanced, really light. You know, you get a little bit of a, you get a, like almost a little bit of a feel of wild fermentation from it, uh, but it's still really clean uh, as a drinker. It's just a phenomenal beer. That sounds so good. Now I want to try that. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's really interesting. I'm so happy to see that Mad Tree is doing well. When me and Julie went, it was mm-hmm. at- it seemed like business was great. I know this past year, almost a year and a half has been so tough on businesses. I'm curious, Justin, how did your company's role kind of shift during COVID? What did you find were the main needs of the brewery this past year? 
we really became kind of a conduit of information uh, for our brewery members uh, pretty much from the start, like from late February, early March of last year. Uh, you know, we, we were, we were monitoring daily press conferences uh, about, uh, about COVID. Uh, we were keeping an eye on uh, federal and state programs that were going to affect our breweries. Uh, you know, all the, the, the myriad health orders and restrictions that came out that our breweries had to abide by. All of our breweries were, had to be closed for, uh, for on-premise uh, sales and cons- or on- on-premise consumption for almost a full two months uh, in uh, from March to May of last year. And I mean, we, we lobbied pretty hard uh, with, you know, with the governor's office and with the uh, uh, division of liquor control here to make sure that our breweries were classified as essential businesses so that they could continue to stay open and make and sell beer. Um, they were, they were only allowed to sell by carry out. Um, but we actually have the ability here in, in Ohio our, our breweries had the ability uh, to deliver beer to uh, to customers at home uh, and also to ship within the state. Uh, we didn't have to do any additional uh, any additional lobbying to get those permissions added like some other states did. Uh, so we were very lucky that way. Uh, but we also you know we also um, uh, tried to advocate for other ways uh, for our uh, for our breweries to to help each other out during the crisis. Uh, Pretty much since every, since nobody could sell a pint over the bar, uh, everyone had to switch to packaging. So you know some of your smaller uh, taproom breweries, brew pubs that weren't uh, in the packaging business had no way to get their beer into bottles or cans. Uh, so actually, we we uh, worked with the uh, division of liquor control to have to have a temporary easing of the restriction that. Uh, a brewery had to package their beer on their own premises. So they could actually take beer to another brewery that had a, a bottling line or a canning line uh, and then package the beer there and then take it back to their brewery to be able to sell it. You know, this, this industry is known for being cooperative and collaborative. And you know, in, a, in a case like that, you know, where the brewery down the street from you needs something that you have to even be able to survive and stay in business and the fact that you're willing to give it uh, it, it speaks volumes about what how this industry is is so great and so much uh, so unique in a way that you know other other more well I don't want to say more competitive but like other very competitive industries are not. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Molly and I have talked about a lot as well. Just that really that spirit of camaraderie and really supporting each other and kind of the rising tide with breweries and really trying to lift each other up. And I think now more than ever, we've seen that in action and we've seen people get really creative and and really supportive with their other breweries, which was a really nice thing to see. Yeah, absolutely. So Justin, what do you think could kind of create more awareness about the amazing craft beer scene that Cincinnati has to offer? Um, You know, we do uh, a fair amount of marketing in state uh, just to get people from other parts of the state to go to Cincinnati and explore the the beer culture there and try the, try the beers and, and expose themselves to something new. And then of course that works the other way around too, you know, since we represent all the breweries in the state, you know, we're, we're trying to convince people from Cincinnati to go try beers in Columbus and Cleveland and Dayton and Toledo and, and all the points in between. So, yeah, I mean, we do, uh, we do a fair amount of that uh, ourselves uh, to try and get people to, to come and uh, check out Cincinnati beers 
we, you know, we do a, we do an annual magazine. Uh, we have our, our website. We do, uh, we have a, a weekly blog that features stories from uh, all the regions of our, of the state, uh, including Cincinnati. So, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a great community of people who are, who are interested in, you know, checking out all of these, all of these breweries and, you know, with, uh, with our, with our app, uh, Ohio on tap, uh, we actually give, we actually incentivize people, you know, to go to all of their local breweries, go to the breweries around the state, uh, you know, in Cincinnati alone, I think you said there are about 60 breweries uh, in the area. You know, we, without really breaking a sweat, if you're from Cincinnati, uh, you can earn several prizes uh, from us through our app uh, before you even, you know, get out of, uh, out of your area and, you know, Go start checking some other places out. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Cincinnati's got such a great story. Uh, you know, you touched on it with the you know the brewing history uh, and the heritage of of uh, you know all those all those breweries that date back hundreds of years. It's it's got a great story in and of itself. Uh, it, and I love Cincinnati. I don't play favorites about Ohio cities or breweries or anything, but Cincinnati's just got such great character. Uh, it's it's a great place for me to visit. And, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of friends uh, down there that just love the city. It's, it's fantastic. I can't, I cannot oversell Cincinnati, I guess. I'm trying to say. Absolutely. No, I think that's so well put and I love it. I love that you guys have an app, Ohio on tap. That's great. And if you could describe the Ohio craft beer scene in like two words, what would it be to you? World class. <laughs> There we go. I love it. I think uh, for me, I, I would think of variety and unique is kind of how I would describe the breweries that me and Julie visited. Ryan Geist, which we'll discuss later next week, was one of the most impressive breweries I've seen in a while. I also loved uh, Listerman. It was like a neighborhood watering hole with some really yummy stouts and porters. We'll be discussing that brewery later this month, too. And uh, now something I like to ask all of our guests as we kind of get towards the end of the show is what would your ideal day off in Cincinnati be? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Hard. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I am a, I'm a huge baseball fan. You can't see all the nerdy baseball stuff I have around on my desk. That's on the other side of the camera. It's gotta be, it's gotta be a Reds game for sure. Uh, you know, in season, obviously I got six months to work that out. Um, they actually have a pretty great, uh, they actually have a pretty great craft beer selection at the ballpark, or at least they did the last, the last time I went down for a game, you know, walking through, uh, you know, doing the, the brewery, brewery heritage tour is great. I love hitting, uh, breweries in, uh, uh, in over the Rhine. There's a lot of great, uh, options down there. Uh, you know, Taft's Ale House is amazing. The, the renovation they did on that old church space. Uh, the Sam Adams tap room down there is really great. Uh, Northern Rose, awesome. Uh, Ryan Geist, like you were talking about. I mean, the, the, that area in Over the Rhine is really fun to just uh, just kind of walk through. Uh, lots of great restaurants down there, too. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I think we saw that bike trail when we visited 50 West, which will also be one of our upcoming breweries this month, too. I love it. That's actually such a perfect day off, Justin. I think you just inspired me to want to go back to Cincinnati. <laughs> And as we wrap up here, it's time for our rapid fire questions. We ask these same five questions to all of our guests at the end of the show each week. Julie and I are going to tag team on this. Justin, your goal is to not think, just answer whatever pops in your head. Shout it out. Are you ready? 
Not thinking. Great at that. Let's do it. <laughs> Especially after a couple beers, right? All right. <laughs> Favorite beer style to have on the beach? Uh, Mexican lager. Just, yeah, love the love, love a clean little splash of lime, maybe a little salt if I've got it around. Yeah, perfect. Favorite beer style to have in the winter? I don't really usually like to go with anything super, super heavy, but like a Dunkel, like a German Dunkel uh, is, is great. <laughs> Last beer you drank and loved? Um, wow, I'll probably, <laughs> I would get in trouble if I didn't say it was the psychopathy, right? Yes, you would. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about your favorite beer to have with food? I feel like wheat beers pair really well with food a lot, like in, in just in kind of a in kind of a general way. Um, like if I'm having something like, uh, oh, geez, if I'm having something kind of light, uh, like a half of Weizen is just awesome uh, with uh, with kind of like summery food or like, you know, like a, a big salad or something like that. I, I, yeah, that sounds good. Something something in the wheat family is good. I agree. I agree. This one's a little controversial. West <laughs> Coast or East Coast IPA? North Coast, Ohio, baby. All right, there North we go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, Justin. I look forward to having a beer with all of you next week as me and Julie continue exploring Cincinnati's craft beer scene with beers from Rheingeist. And let me tell you, when I visited that brewery, I was blown away by the space. We'll be speaking with their head of education, and he is going to drop some awesome knowledge for everyone who tunes in. And also the story of how the owners met is super interesting. So I can't wait to share that story with you next week. You guys, have a great night. Justin, you were an absolute awesome guest. We hope to have you on for season two here at Bruce Less Traveled. I would be happy to do it. You're awesome hosts. I've, I've had a really great time. You guys are great. Everyone have a great evening and cheers. Thank you all so much for tuning in. It's always a blast having a beer with you. Don't forget to sign up for the Bruise Less Traveled Beer Club, and this way you'll get the beers I've been drinking delivered right to your doorstep, plus exclusive access to our weekly live streams. You can also follow Bruvana on Instagram and me as well at molly underscore Bruise Less Traveled. I always love hearing from you guys, especially if it's a beer recommendation. So keep the messages coming. Cheers. <laughs>